Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Amen, amen. Everybody is having a good week. I pray again. I ask and I pray if you're not having one, I hope it's not due to the external circumstances. Don't let external circumstances affect the internal trajectory of our lives because our, our, the sum total of our lives is made up of so much more than the tangible things that we encounter in this two dimension. This is called the two dimensional realm. You know, the horizontal. This is the things, the day-to-day things that we face. Don't let the foolishness of the enemy's attacks and the fear and the, the burden of everyday life, or God forbid you watch the news, because that right there will steal every ounce of joy you have. You'll wake up in the morning and literally feel like you have been in a porta potty in the middle of downtown Houston, Texas at 130 degrees outside. It is the most vile of vile that you hear on those things, the lies, the absolute foolishness of the lies that, that are on there day in and day out will steal every essence of joy that you have. So get in the Word. By the way, speaking of that, I, I caught most of you, but if you're going to read through the Bible, again, if I'm not, I can't force you to do it. If you've got another plan, that's great. As long as you're reading God's Word every day, don't read three verses, don't read one chapter. Read enough to read God's Word every year. I've got my cards. I spent four hours doing it. So if you're going to do it, please do it. Grab one. If you're not going to do it, hey, that's fine. Leave one for somebody else. I can print as many as we need. But I, I encourage you, get in the Word. You want to hear God speak to you? You can't hear Him speak if you're not in the Word. God's Word is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. God's Word will deal with anything, everything. God's Word is good 5,000 years ago, and God's Word will be good for another 5,000 if the Lord tarries. So it is the all-sufficient Word of the living God. And I pray that 2024, if you've not read through the Bible, that this is the, the year you do it. Commit to do it. It's really, honestly, church, I've been doing it now for over 6 to, actually almost 20 years. It hasn't gotten old. It's not hard to do. All it is is you've got a desire to hear God speak to you and set aside the 20 maximum 30 minutes a day. I know for a fact that there's not anybody in this building, no matter how busy you are, that can't carve out 30 minutes for the Lord. I promise you. Every person in here can do it. So my question is, do you want to take your walk with Christ from ordinary to extraordinary? That's the question I have. Because if you'd say, well, ordinary is fine with me, I don't know what in the world you're talking about wanting to go to heaven. Because that's not ordinary. That's going to be extraordinary. You want to hear God speak to the every, <clears throat> everything that you ever deal with in life? You want God to speak to the questions you have right now about why whatever's happening? You want to see God intervene in, in your relationship with your spouse? You want God to intervene, generationally speaking, in your children? It's not going to happen if we're not in this word, church. I'm sorry, but it's not. Because we may have a great prayer life. You can have a wonderful prayer life, but if you don't have the ability to speak, allow God to speak through his word, your prayer life is categorized by disobedience because God calls us to get in his word. Amen? What does it actually say? Scripture says, 
hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. By the way, I can go, there's verse after verse after chapter that talks about the scriptures. But again, that's for another night. I just want to encourage you to do that. Tonight's message is titled, How's the Servant's Heart? Question mark. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Numbers chapter 12. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 12. We're going to look at all 16 verses tonight. Not going to look at all of them in, in the essence of it's just to help the story make sense. Very powerful, <laughs> very powerful story about some people. And you're going to know who I'm talking about in a second. If you haven't read the story, you're going to learn about them. Who decided that who do you think you are, Moses? Who in the world do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you think God speaks through you and speaks to you? And what we're going to see tonight is, and I really believe that God laid this on my heart after seeing, not even, it's not even a religious sense, I saw, I've seen it a lot at work where people disdain authority. They always have the better answer for everything. If, an, if the authority figure in their life makes a statement or, or says, you know, we want you to do this, Oh, everybody knows a better way to do it, and they start speaking badly when the person walks away, and they start grumbling and fault-finding and all of these things. And as I was seeing that, and I, I, I sat there back, and I remembered all of the years in my lifetime that I've heard, though. I remember growing up and hearing people talk about the pastor. Even before my dad was a pastor, people would grumble. Why? Because, well, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, didn't shake my hand, you know, didn't stay long enough at whatever. They didn't do this, didn't do that, and... Oh, the deacons didn't do that, and the, our church had elders. The elders, you know, so-and-so didn't do this. And it was always, I called it literally, because I see it now scripturally, grumbling and fault-finding. And it's an easy thing to do in our culture. Again, I will reference going to the news, because what does, does the news build people up? What do they do? Doesn't matter. Everything's about tearing down, never building up. And sadly, the reality of what happens in that is, is we can, we can really adopt a mindset of being critical. Critical about everything all the time. The leadership in our lives on a local, oh, let's go all the way down, right? Home, church, local, state, federal, world, governing authorities. As Christians, what are we called to do? Submit to it. Does the Bible say if we like it, submit to it? If we like what the, the IRS says to us, we're going to submit to it, or, or is it a, you know, it's all up for grabs. I'm going to tell you there's a scripture in Romans chapter 13 too. We rebel against the authority. By the way, this is all authority. We rebel against God. It says there is no authority but that which God has instituted. So what that means is whether we like it or not, the authority that God's placed in our lives. I always talk to kids. You know, they're like, I don't like my mom or dad saying, said, you know, what I know about your parents is your parents care about you. Your parents want the best for you. I've met a couple bad people in my lifetime when I was in law enforcement, most notably, that were just bad people, and they didn't want the best for their children. But for the most part, I've met pretty much everybody that I know in my life wants the best for their kids. 
I know that the only thing a godly parent's going to hold back from a child is what? Something that will harm them. I don't want my kids harmed. I don't want my brother and my sister in Christ. If you come up to me and say, hey, Brother Jonathan, what do you think about X? Now, do you think I'm going to go, you know what? I wish I could do that. And because I can't do that, I'm going to say, I don't think you should do it. No, I wouldn't do that. You know what I'd actually say? Wow, that is awesome that you get to go do that. Those of you who have gone on a really big trip somewhere that I've not been that I want to go, I always say, have an awesome time. Make sure you relax. Turn off your phone. Enjoy that time. Now, if there was something wrong with me and I had issues up here, I'd say, I don't think you should go. God's given me a premonition that things aren't going to go a, a good way and, and you shouldn't go there. But that's messed up. That's not a mental attitude of anybody. We should support one another, shouldn't we? We're not going to want to hold anything back that God's best on somebody's life and what God wants to do. But there are mindsets, attitudes, and actions that work completely contradictory to that. They're actually a lot of times ones of jealousy, ones of control. We have to be careful because we can fall under that. Leadership, just listen to what I'm going to tell you. Leadership, leadership, and control are two different continents. What does control seek to do? Strictly bend the will of someone to do something no matter, doesn't matter. There's, I don't care, I don't want a basis for what I'm doing. This is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. End of story. What does leadership do? Leadership says to my family, hey, we're not going to do this because there's a danger. There's not only a spiritual danger, but there's potential physical danger or whatever else. You can lay out and classify the reasons a good leader is leading in a direction. He's going to be able to give you a basis with which the leadership and the direction that they're going is the best for the person, the family, etc. Accountability. What is accountability? It's a two-way street. I sadly dealt with a seeing, it was, wasn't even with me, it was with two brothers in, in the church many, many years ago, and both of them had uh, submitted to accountability in each other's lives. One of them was wanting to stop smoking, and they had asked this person to hold them accountable. I'll never forget it, because I was discipling this person many, many years ago, and they were sharing with me as they're, you know, how, what they're trying to do, how they're trying to move in the direction they are, and how they're trying to encourage them. Well, went on, was doing really good. Then one night, the, boy, the fella asked his brother, brother in Christ, said, hey, how's it going with the, I smell, something smells a little rough tonight. What's, how you doing? So you ain't my daddy. And they said, what do I do? I said, you do nothing. Accountability is a two-way street. I said, you can say all day long that you want to be held accountable, but unless you submit to the accountability and to the leadership, right, the leadership in that relationship, what do you have? You've got nothing. Because, again, that is a two-way street, and we're going to see tonight how easy it is to get that mindset. You're not my daddy. Who do you think you are? But I pray as we, as we see this laid out tonight that we personally would step back, be very careful of our motives in life. You know, it's easy when our parents get older. I, I'm, I'm watching this not only on Mondays and Tuesdays, but I'm watching it in my own parents, and as some of you are. As our parents get older, we can get real frustrated with them. Why? Because maybe they don't remember like they did, or maybe they start to do things that bother us or frustrate us. And it's easy to dis honor 
your mother and father if you're not careful. Well, do you know what Scripture talks about? It says honor your father and mother, not until they become complacent or apathetic or whatever they might be battling as the condition, as we come closer. No, the Scripture says to honor your mother and father. You want me to tell you when that mandate ends? When they go see the Lord. You're not under their authority anymore, but that is the biblical call that we have as followers of Christ. As we follow God's word, as we submit to that leadership in our life, there's one time that you can stand in opposition, well, two times, that you can stand in opposition to the authority that God's placed in your lives. You ready? If they ask you to do something that's against the law or illegal, or they ask you to do something that's against God's word. Otherwise, you, myself, and the, 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 the accountability of my lifetime, I have no ability to stand in opposition to the authority of my life. And if I do, I'm not standing in opposition to that person. I stand in opposition to God himself. So keep that in mind. Think about those as we go and we get frustrated at work. I know I hear a lot of people that will have trouble with a boss, and they'll say, what should I do? And I say, submit to the authority in your life. That's what I say. They'll say, I didn't want you to say that. I said, I can't say anything else. I have to say what is in line with God's word. If they're asking you to something unbiblical, ungodly, or against the law, that's the only way we can stand in opposition to that. And we're going to see that tonight again, how this, uh, how's the servant's heart tonight with us. How is the servant's heart? I hope you found Numbers chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 16. If you're able physically, let's stand out of reverence tonight for the reading of God's word. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. They said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. Moses was very, a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, you three come out of the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent, and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them came forward, he said, listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. I speak with him directly, openly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord's anger burned against them, and he left. As the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. When Aaron turned toward her, he saw that she was diseased and said to Moses, My Lord, please don't hold this against us, this sin that we have so foolishly committed. Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, God, please heal her. The Lord answered Moses, if her father had merely spit in her face, wouldn't she remain in disgrace for seven days? Let her be confined outside the camp for seven days. After that, she may be brought back in. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until after Miriam was brought back in. 
After that, the people set out from Hezareth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Father, thank you for your word tonight, God. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you, Father, for the conviction of it, Lord, the, the teaching that is found in it. Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts tonight as only you can. May you alone be glorified, lifted up, honored. If there's one that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that your spirit would move in their heart, bring them to the place that they understand they're a sinner in need of a Savior, and cry out, Lord, in, in repentance, brokenness, and come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, Father. We commit this to you, and we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's a lot in this story. If we weren't going through the pictures and God just laid this on my heart over the last week, uh, we would be back in those typologies, the pictures of Christ. But God just so heavily laid this on my heart again over the last couple of weeks that I've, I was overwhelmed in my heart to share it. This is a powerful story, a powerful story of so many different things you see in there. You see this jealousy. You've got God using Moses in such a mighty way. Now, what's interesting is you remember that Aaron's on board with the ministry leadership that God allowed him to have a part of because of who? To Moses. Remember? What was Moses struggling with? M Moses was humble. A humble dude. Moses was like, God, I'm, no, I, I can't, I don't, I don't talk good. I'm not eloquent. You know, he was humble. This man did not want to be out front. He wanted to be a silent behind the scenes ministry type. And that's a beautiful thing. God had a different plan for him. So what ultimately God did was, instead of saying, Moses, you're going to have leprosy. Because in the very beginning, Moses was in a sense saying, God, just don't, don't die. No, please. No, God said, okay, I'll let you take care of him with you. And who ended up doing really speaking? Yes, yeah, so in essence, he was a spokesman. So it's ironic that this story even occurs because Aaron had seen the power of God. And not only that, Aaron had seen the judgment of God. Isn't it interesting for us? We see that going, man, if I saw that, I wouldn't misbehave. Oh, <laughs> right? But we do that. You know what's even worse? They're seeing the external manifestation of the Holy Spirit, of the power of God. We are indwelt by it. You and I have the Spirit of God tonight. If you are a professed follower of Jesus Christ and are regenerate, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you right now. So I got a question for you. When God got you up and wanted to wanted to, to, to speak to you this morning. How many of you laid over, hit that, that demonic snooze button? I'm sorry, I think they're straight from you know where. I don't think the snooze button's from heaven, amen? Matter of fact, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes talk a lot about the sluggard. It's really easy to hit that thing. I, some people told me they hit it six, seven, eight plus times before they get up. I can't even imagine. I don't even think my thing has, a, it might have a snooze button on it. My watch and my phone start to vibrate if I don't get up before then. But it's really easy when you're laying down and you want to hit that button, right? So this morning, instead of getting up and getting in God's presence and letting God pour out his thoughts to you, getting in God's presence and spending time with him, as that Lorna Harris uh, song, God's in essence singing to you, I miss my time with you, those moments together. I want to be with you each day, but it hurts me when you say you're too busy, busy trying to serve me. How can you serve me when your spirit's empty? How can we be filled? 
How can we be filled with God's thoughts? How can we be filled without entering God's presence and having him speak? Be like the, the priests in the Old Testament saying, sorry, Lord, we'll catch you next week. We're busy today. See, we have the Spirit of God that dwells within us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. How in the world could today be as beautiful of a day if you had a great day, if you hadn't been in God's presence? Or maybe you're here tonight and you're going, you know, my day wasn't good. I've had a rough day, but then you reflect back and you might think, oh, you know what? I hit that snooze button. And I excused myself out of God's presence, entering it with courts, entering with thanksgiving in his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, right? We missed that opportunity this morning, and you don't understand until right now why the day, not only, it's like a downhill slalom. <laughs> you got your skis, you went up the lift, right? You woke up this morning and went, woo, beautiful day. And you skied downhill all day, meaning everything started bad and it is continuing to. I'll tell you, we can't expect the blessings of God if we don't enter his presence. We can't expect, and we might enter God's presence and have a tough day, but I'll tell you what'll be, what will be here. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But if you're not in his presence and you don't have God speaking to these things and speaking to you, I ask you, how can you? So we're back here with, with Moses, and we've got Aaron who's watched God's power on display in the judgment of Pharaoh, right? We've got all of these things that if God knows exactly what he's doing, sometimes we step outside of the boundaries. Aaron stepped out, Miriam stepped outside the boundaries. Who had God placed as the leadership over Aaron and Miriam, Moses. You see how God characterizes Moses. God had a special relationship with Moses in a major way. He was so humble, so righteous that God didn't speak to him in these riddles. God spoke directly to him face to face. Whew. It's powerful to me. In my opinion, I'm telling you, that's powerful. What that shows is, is this humility that Moses had had allowed God to bring him to a special place where God spoke to him but yet we think hey I wouldn't do that don't think that for a moment we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Christ tonight but how many times we not get in God's presence how many times when your husband or your wife says something or your children you respond to them improperly happens to all of us how many times are those things occurring because you're not in God's presence? Hurling words that you usually don't speak. Where did that stuff come from? comes from down here. How do we take every captive thought to the will of Christ? What scripture says? We can't allow that to be a thing that we live unless we're in God's presence. When the Holy Spirit of God is wanting to restrain our tongue, how in the world are we in unison and in fellowship with the Spirit when we're not in His presence? How about your prayer life? Are you praying? That's wonderful. That's us talking to Him, but God's speaking to us. It's a dialogue we have with God. The only way tonight that you can have that type of relationship, though, it happens through obedience, and we're watching Aaron and Miriam step out of a place of obedience to a place of disobedience. Listen to verse 2 again. They said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? 
Does he not also speak through us? The Lord heard it. You know what I think happened? I think Mo, uh, Aaron was thinking, hey, look, you know, I've been doing talking here. God's got me as this talker. And I think the pride of thinking, wait a minute, God's speaking through me too. Not realizing that Moses is the channel with which this blessing was being channeled. Amen? God had used Aaron, in a sense, as a helpmate to Moses. Aaron was way down the rungs. God's man was Moses. But yet the pride that desire to go, wait a minute, huh? Did God really say you shouldn't eat of the tree, right? You go all the way back and see the picture of the Garden of Eden. Why? Because the enemy disdains everything righteous, good, wholesome, and of God. And it's exactly what he's trying to do right here, to sow discord. See to it what Scripture says, that no bitter root defiles, that, de that defiles who? It says defiles many. That's an everyday thing that we've got to do. Bitter roots, by the way, are so interesting in how they start. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Today I was looking. We have some peach trees. We planted some peach trees, right? We planted them, and they were about this big when we got them. They might be about this big now. And this year, I happened to look over, and guess what we have? We have peach trees over here that are about this big, a bunch of them, growing up between rocks. You know how they got there? I have no clue, probably throwing fruit out. So you work and you, you cultivate these things. But see, God's plan is so much bigger than ours, isn't it? God's going to do what God wants to do. The same way that you throw out some fruit doesn't make sense, does it? Seems like we should be growing, we should be doing, when we planted those trees, we put it in good soil, should it not be doing as good as those other ones? See, God's plan and God's purpose is the same way those trees. When God wants something to grow and God wants something to do, the same thing with Moses. God called Moses the same way that God called Abraham. God has the ability to do what God wants to do when he wants to do it, and we have no say in the matter. Tonight, I'm doing what God wants me to do because God called me to do what God wants me to do. I can have a rebellious servant's heart that says, wait a minute, God, you put us on the other end of the county. It'd be so much nicer if going to this little church right down the street here is a bunch of churches on our end of the county. No, God wants me here. God's wanted me here for, we're going on the what, 16th year in March. God has wanted me here, and the best thing about serving the Lord is you do, and you go where God wants you to go. You know, same way with Moses and Aaron, with Moses, when God wants you to have a spokesman, he'll give you one. Sometimes he doesn't want you to have one. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. First thing I'm going to share with you tonight is this. It's easy to criticize and critique God's servants. Whether it's the man in the home. You know what? You know what? I don't like the way they do things over there. Are they doing something unbiblical or ungodly? You know what? They might have a devotion that you just don't like. It, listen, stop. That's none of your business. God has called each of us to be the high priests of our homes. We can sit back and criticize everything everybody else does, but ultimately, what do we know from Scripture is happening a lot of times as we're looking for the back in somebody else's eye? 
we fail to see the log in our own. So we've got to be careful because it's a trap that the enemy wants to get us bound in because he wants to see stories like this right here. They get us, what? Distracted and diverted. Distracted and diverted. By the way, what happens with Miriam? She gets a case of leprosy. Do you know what would have happened if God hadn't allowed her forgiven and healed? I hope you understand what this would have meant. She would have been outside. She would have been living separated for how long? The rest of her life. Can you imagine making a statement like that? And the ramifications of that is the rest of your life separated. You know, those things can happen now. There's things that we can do and we can say that can fundamentally change our lives as we know it. I've, I've heard and seen somebody goes in, they're talking bad about a boss where they work. They're just going on and railing right to their coworker, not realizing the boss is standing behind them. I've, I know a lot about that. You know what in some cases happened? They said, it sounds like you don't like the way things are going here. Why don't you get your stuff and you can go home now? In one recent instance, they walked the person out of the building. And they were unemployed. Did they have the a biblical authority if they were a believer to do what they were doing? No. No, we can disagree with something, but what do you do? You do the proper channels. If Aaron had an issue with the authority in his life, what should he have done? My number one thing is let's do the chain of command. Amen? Who's his upline? Moses. Hey, man, my wife uh, has got a problem. Uh, Moses, I don't know what to do, man. Um, right? And what's Moses going to say? I didn't pick this position. By the way, look, you're the one doing the talking because I didn't want to do it. God still has this place for me. And by the way, he has a place for you too. Let's just keep in our lane, as the kids say these days. Let's stay in our lane and let's just continue to do what God wants. By the way, I'm a peacemaker. You probably don't know that. Many of you do know that. I'm a peacemaker. I, I like peace. Uh, and I want peace at all costs. I don't want misery. I don't want uh, tension. I don't want stress. Life is tough. Amen? And there's ways to deal with things. But when we deal with things the proper ways, what happens? We get the blessings of God. But if we do things the wrong way, just like we're seeing here with Aaron, things can get extremely uncomfortable very quick. Why, though? Because when we rebel against authority, we rebel against God. Not only that, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says what? God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. Those that sow to the flesh reap destruction. Those that sow to the Spirit reap life everlasting. See, God can't be mocked. It doesn't say he might not. He says he shouldn't be. It says he cannot be mocked. So therefore, God's plans, God's purpose, God's pattern, we must form our lives around it. And remember, it's not about what we think. 
It's about what God says. And you may, <clears throat> husband, you may have a problem with the spiritual authority in your life because, well, I don't know, they, they confronted you about reading your Bible. And you just thought you just didn't like that. Why? Because, you know what, you're going to read when you want to read. Well, you can do that, but remember, if you have a problem with someone who comes to you to, to compel you to a greater, a greater, more consistent commitment and walk with Christ, because there's nothing outside, anything outside spiritually or scripturally that they were out of bounds on. And also know this, you're not going to find, there's going to be this small number of people in your life that are going to care enough about you to speak truth to you. I would encourage you to do this. Don't run them off. You know why? Because you will not find many that will. You're not going to find many people in your life that genuine, I mean, what I'm saying, listen, genuine. When you go to a dealership and you buy a part for your lawnmower, motorcycle, whatever it might be, wave runner, boat, what do, you, what do you get on the package when you buy something from the dealership? What does it say? Genuine. What does that mean? It has the stamp of approval that it was made for a specific application. Hence, a genuine friend, brother or sister in Christ that cares about you is going to say those tough things to you when they see something that can potentially harm you. What do they get out of it? Nothing. Always look at that. What is the motivation? If somebody ever starts to get upset, if I'm sharing something spiritually that they get upset about, I say, stop one second. All I ask you to do is step back. What do I have to gain by saying this to you? I have everything to lose. I have to say this to you, which I don't even want to have the conversation in the first place, but I love you so much. I care about you, and I want God's best for you that I have to have this conversation with you because I realize the ramifications of not having this conversation with you. Not only am I a bad friend, but you are in a place where you could get in a serious mess spiritually, relationally, whatever the situation might mean. It could affect a whole lot of people as a result of it. So when you see that, that is one thing that a lot of times someone will say, whoa, I realize you have nothing to gain. You have everything to lose. Thank you for saying something, for loving me enough to say something. When you're a peacemaker, though, and you pray about it, God allows you to have those little avenues where people can see that you genuinely love them, you genuinely care about them. But look at verses 5 through 9. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent, summoned Aaron and Miriam. And when the two of them came forward, he said, listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. I speak with him directly, openly, not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord's anger burned against them and he left. Psalm, I don't remember the exact psalm, but I know it says this. It says, do not curse my prophets. Do not lay hands on my anointed. I have seen this, sadly, in my lifetime. I knew one church. The church cut off the pastor's internet. Had a family with children. The church got upset about something. They cut off the internet and basically left the guy and his family high and dry. It was a very terrible situation. 
And I remember hearing it, and I said, oh, man, that scares me to death for those poor church members and the leadership, especially in the church. Why? There was nothing contradictory to Scripture that would have given the authority and ability to do that in the first place, but it's so easy to take this high road spiritually in our lives and Aaron and Miriam, who do you think you are? You know what? We don't like the preacher here. We'll just get rid. Hey, I'll tell you what. We'll just have a vote. And by the way, who comes in for the vote? I, I hear about these all the time. Every person that's ever been in the church in their lifetime that's on the roll that hadn't been there in 15 or 20 years shows up, votes some guy out the door. It happened to a, a friend of mine last year at a church. Won't say where it is. Not even anywhere near here locally. But very sad thing. God used it in a mighty way because now he's in ministry somewhere else. But it's sad because what I know is that God can't bless that. God couldn't bless Aaron's actions and he can't bless our actions when we do what? When we step outside of the framework in God's word. The biggest thing in our life that my parents, I'm so thankful they taught me was unconditional submission to authority. I could not stand it growing up. Because when I wanted something to go my way, when I thought someone was unfair, I would go home and try to protest the discipline or whatever would happen, and my parents would not even hear it. They wouldn't even listen to the story. You know why? Because my parents knew what in Scripture God's Word says, and they taught me something that to this very day I'm so thankful for because I believe that God has blessed it exponentially. And what is that? Unconditional submission to authority, the same way that I have to submit unconditionally to God, he's called me to submit to the authorities in my life. What if they're doing something wrong? They may get away with it now, but they won't get away with it. Why? Because we serve the God that sees and hears everything. Well, I, I, it's not right that they do this to me. It's not right if you buck up to the authority that God's placed in your life. As a matter of fact, that'll take us from the place of being blessed for what? Suffering, doing the right thing, to a place of being in judgment because we didn't rebel against that, ready? Lost boss. We, we think, well, they're not even a Christian, so I, I shouldn't have to even submit. No, it says all authority. It doesn't say the, the godly authority in your life has been instant. No, it says all authority. All of it. So where do we stay and, and begin to place ourselves in a place of obedience? When we submit unconditionally to the authority. What happens if I get pulled over and they say you were speeding and you weren't speeding? I mean, I've had it happen. I told you the story a few months ago. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I won. Did I, did I protest and threaten with an attorney? No. I was actually so stunned. I had two people in the car that knew I hadn't been speeding. Do you know what I did? I submitted the authority. I gave them what they asked for. And you know what? I didn't get a ticket. And I was let go. I could have done the wrong thing. I could have caused a big mess and potentially gotten myself in serious trouble. Could have even gotten myself killed. Would I have been right because I was just defending the right thing? No. Because what I would have been doing is questioning authority, and that person at that moment was in an authority position over me, even though they were abusing that authority. God doesn't say, if someone abuses the authority in your life, hey, was Moses abusing the authority and Aaron was just, no. We often want to 
Do what? Make excuses for why we don't do what we should do. Well, you just don't understand. Lord, Lord, why? What? No. God calls us to submit, submit, submit as unto the Lord. Second thing I want to share with you tonight is this. God's people who serve should be supported and prayed for. Not only the God's people that we deal with, but listen, what about that unsaved boss that you don't like? Have you thought about praying for them as Scripture calls you and commands you to do? Or are you going to sit back because you've gotten so used to criticizing that you don't have any ability at all to pray for them because you're busy criticizing? How about praying for them? How about praying that God would get a hold of their heart, that God would use you as an instrument with which he can reach them? You ever thought about that? I've seen stories like that where Christians prayed for somebody and they ended up ultimately being able to lead someone to Christ that was completely godless because they chose not to take the world's way, to take that human desire to go out there and straighten up somebody that desperately needs straightened up, and they decided to not only pray for them but to submit to that authority, and God so used that 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 person ended up coming to faith to Christ, and the person that was so frustrated by that in the beginning but then decided they're going to do what God wants to do, they were the ones that ended up being able to lead them to saving faith in Christ. What a testimony, amen? What a testimony. Doing things God's way is so difficult sometimes because, again, we want to justify ourselves. Even when we're right, we want to justify, you know, like, hey, they're not doing the right thing, but look, wait a second. You're supposed to do what you're supposed to do. You're not the boss, are you? If you're the boss, that's a whole different ballgame. Then you're in the business of managing the people that God has you managing. But if you're not in that position, you have no place playing that position. And then listen to verses 10 through 13, and we'll finish up. So as the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. When Aaron turned toward her, he saw that she was diseased and said to Moses, My Lord... Please don't hold this against us. It's a sin we have so foolishly committed. Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of the mother's womb. Moses cried out to the Lord God, please heal her. Third and final thing I want to share with you tonight. God will bless our faithful commitment to his path and plan or judge our disobedience. What a beautiful picture when you look at the spiritual dynamic there, okay? Look at what, in a sense, Moses became an intercessor for Miriam. This leprosy was going to condemn her to a life separated, outcast. Think about us. Until we came to faith in Jesus Christ, what were we? We talked about it last month a lot, over this month, at enmity with God. What were we? We were enemies of God. Through the advent, through Christ Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, what did God do? He opened the pathway to restore, to bring healing. Our physical symptoms that we were born with weren't manifesting themselves externally like Miriam's, were they? But we were still born with a sin debt that were, in a sense, like an eternal leprosy, something that would keep us separated from God's presence forever. But what did God do? 
sent Jesus Christ. Celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. And guess what we do in a few months? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. See, God will bless our faithful commitment to his path and plan. That's what God wants for us. Remember, it's the framework. The Bible is merely the framework. Does not withhold. What did I say earlier with those parents? Nobody wants to withhold anything good from their children. Most normal parents. What does the Bible do? It is the framework with which the blessings of God are found and the beauty of God's purpose in everything that God desires for us because what is he? He is the potter. We are the clay. God molds us. He makes us. He forms us. He places us where he desires to use us. All we have to do is yield our wants, our wills, our desires. But when we have these Miriam and Aaron attitudes, what does it do? It puts us at odds with God. And a lot of times, in Nehemiah at the potter's house, we see that, remember with the vessel he's working, the, the, the potter was working on a vessel that was marred, reshaping it into a new one as he saw fit. It's pretty much that picture of that. We got an odd, sometimes we make terrible decisions. Doesn't mean that we're not a Christian. What it can do, though, it can mar the vessel and the original intended purpose for the vessel can no longer be completed. So what is the potter so gracious in our confession of sin? 1 John 1, 9, he is what? We confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And even in the story of Samson is the picture of the restoration that even Miriam's undergoing here. Samson's Thankfully, Miriam's vessel wasn't so marred that she could not complete the plan, but Samson's was. Look at God's plan. He did desire to judge the Philistines, but I think that God's original intent was for it to be manifest in the strength of Samson and the Nazarite vow. But because of this sin, his passions not being taken captive to the will of Christ, Samson ends up being placed in bondage because of his sin. But in his confession of sin, what do we see at the end of his life? God allows him to be used for his plan and purpose again, but it ends in his death. You know that that, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand, can be a very real possibility for us. We've got to be careful. We've got to stay within the framework of God's purpose, plan, and will for our life. Because we know what even Corinthians talks about with taking part in the body of Christ in an unworthy manner. Many people think that strictly represents communion. No, it doesn't. What are we doing tonight? We're taking part in the body of Christ. When we take part in the body of Christ in an unworthy manner, meaning flippantly come to church, hey, what can I get? Not what can I give as I'm serving, glorifying, honoring Christ. That's why many of you are what? Weak, sick, and a number of you sleep. Very, very important. God cannot be mocked. Same thing with our parents. Honor your father and mother. What's the promise? That your days may be long on the earth. Hence the statement earlier about honoring your father and mother when they're senile and whatever happens in life where you don't want to respect them anymore. You better do it. Because God's word gives us the framework and the reason with which we should do that. Now, you maybe have lost parents that are vile in the representation of, of what you are as a Christian and they stay cursed and don't want anything to do with you, sometimes you might have to break fellowship with them. I understand that. But I'm talking about in the natural course of life, parents can get frustrated. You can get frustrated with parents, right? 
I've seen this a lot. And you, you may not want to anymore honor them. You, you may want to say things you shouldn't and act in ways that you should not. That's not God-honoring. God's not going to bless that. You want a life that's blessed, and this is what I ask. How's the servant's heart? You're Aaron, and ladies, if you're Miriam tonight, what does is, what is your life look like? What is, what is God's desire for you? What is God's desire for me? It's a servant's heart. It doesn't sit around questioning the authority and leadership in our lives, again, unless it's something illegal or contradictory to God's word. You want God to bless you? Submit the authority that God's placed you in your lifetime. Go to that boss at work. Let them know you're on their side. By the way, hey, I'm praying for you. God, I'm not a prayer person. That's fine. I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. And God's blessed me with being able to work for you. And I want to be the best employee you have because everything I do, I do as unto the Lord. Imagine what a testimony that can do. Imagine the people in your life, wives, tough sometimes when husbands, right? Bad attitudes, whatever might happen. Tough to submit to that authority in lives sometimes, isn't it? Husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church is not easy sometimes, is it? But it's what God's called us and commanded us to do. So therefore, do we want that blessing of God? It happens when we honor God's word, what God says, because God's truth trumps everything. How often? All the time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight, for your word. God, thank you for not only the truth of it, Lord, but those times when it speaks directly to something we're facing on a daily basis. Father, thank you tonight as we're able to see how easy it is for a person to, to question or even criticize or the, the authority that you've placed in their lives. Father, I pray that each one of us, Father, is submitting to the authority you've placed in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that we are help to any and everything that is what the plan and purpose that you have for our life God, we are taking advantage of every opportunity to share the gospel, Lord. Share our story with those people that you place us in front of. And Father, not letting these other traps mar the image of Christ and the testimonies that we can have in sharing the gospel with others. Father, I pray during this invitation, if there's anything that we are dealing with right now that we have not laid out and confessed as the sin it is, Father, there's something tonight that is hindering our ability to come boldly into your presence, Father. We have not been in your word in 2023, but we purpose to get there in 24. I pray tonight during this invitation, Father, that we would commit in purpose to do what it is that you've laid on our hearts to do. Father, I pray for someone tonight online or in this building that does not know you as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray if they have tonight come to the place where they understand that they're a sinner in need of a Savior and that the gospel message, Lord, is the free gift of salvation, that we understand we're a sinner understand we're separated from you and that only the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ can forgive us and save us as we place our faith and trust in him for salvation, Lord, and give our hearts and lives. I pray that would happen today. Father, may you be glorified in this time of decision. I pray, Lord, as you've laid these ones, these prodigal sons, daughters, family members on the hearts, we continue to pray for them, Lord, until they come to saving faith in Jesus Christ or they enter their eternity. Father, we will rejoice in the blessing of seeing them come to faith in Christ and begin to pray for someone else. Pray we would be a people of prayer. We ask this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at Longview Baptist Church. 
www.ghostofgodchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.